Well, good afternoon. How you guys doing? Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. If uh, you know, you guys were at the uh, tailgating thing. I hope you had a good time. And I'm pretty sure that we got toasted more than the food did on the grill. Because uh, holy wow, it's hot outside today. Um, but it is good to be here. Happy Father's Day weekend. And uh, if you're a dad, uh, isn't being a dad awesome? Like seriously, it's one of the coolest you know, responsibilities that we could ever have on this planet. Uh, we have so many cool things that we get to do as a dad. Uh, one of them is we get to like, kind of teach our kids uh, their, you know, our favorite music and our favorite movies. And, you know, I, I just recently, you know, took Noah through all the seven Star Wars movies, and he's addicted now, and it's awesome. We took him to buy his very first bike last night um, he, you know, for his birthday, and uh, he chose a Darth Vader b- bike, which is really cool to me. Um, but we get to teach him our music and our movies. Uh, we get to, you know, do things, and then we get to follow up those things with, don't tell your mom we just did that. Like, those are some of the cool things that us dads get to do. Uh, we get to, you know, you know, be more of the pushover parent and bend the rules and let them get away with more things, right? Uh, maybe that's just me, uh, but that's, that, that's another cool thing that dads get to do. But there is one thing on this planet that, that dads get to do that nobody can take this right away from us, no matter what, and that is, as dads, we get to tell dad jokes. And with that, I want to introduce and show you guys a video of some of the best dad jokes we can think of. My dad said he had a boomerang, but but when he threw it, it never came back. Then he realized it was a stick. I was in the kitchen, and my dad came up to me and said, you know what, I used to be addicted to the hokey pokey, but then I turned myself around. My dad asked me, have you heard about the new movie, Constipation? And I was like, no. And then he said, it never came out. Who even calls the movie Constipation? <laughs> One day I was cold and I told my dad, and he said, go stand in the corner. It's 90 degrees. I walked into the kitchen yesterday and I said, hey dad, I'm hungry. And he said, hi hungry, I'm dad. Oh, I get it. I get jokes. <laughs> my dad asked me, do you know what a fly is with no wings? I said, I don't know. What? And then he said, a walk. My dad texted me once and asked me if I heard about the kidnapping. And I texted back and said no. And he said, it's OK, you woke up. That's what I'm talking about. My dad and I were going past the aquarium. And my dad asked me, how many tickles does it take to make an octopus laugh? I said, I don't know. And he said, 10 tickles. I said, what? Oh, 10 tickles. So we were having dinner, and my dad spilled the peas on the table. And he looked right at me and said, oh no, I just peed on the table. That was, that's awesome. So dads, keep telling your jokes, okay? You know, that's your right. Uh, the, the hokey pokey one gets me every time. Like, that's just, oh, it's, it's just deep. So uh, it's good to see you guys here. Thanks for making Riverglade a part of your weekend. If you don't know me, my name is Brandon. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, and today we are continuing our series called Love Handles. Where we're trying to figure out how to lose those extra pounds that we don't want anymore. Um, I'm just kidding. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about something different. See, that's a dad. It's, it's kind of a really bad joke, and I'm a dad, so 
dad joke, kind of, not really. Um, no, what we're doing in this series is we're actually looking to get something in shape, but we're trying to get our relationships in shape. That's why we're doing this series called Love Handles. We're, we're looking at all the relationships that we have, the ones with our spouse, our kids, our coworkers, our friends, our in-laws, any relationship we have, we are working on in this series what it looks like to get that thing into shape, to strengthen that relationship. Because um, the idea is that God created us for community and he created us to be in relationships. And if it's that big of a deal in our lives, we should do stuff that strengthens those relationships uh, that we have. And so one way we're going to encourage you to strengthen uh, one of your relationships is actually your relationship with a significant other. And so we are offering up our very first River Glen date night. And so on Friday, June 24th, we want you guys to go uh, on a date. And I've learned since we've had kids, one of the most difficult things to do to actually go on a date with my wife is get child care taken care of. And so we're going to take care of that for you. Uh, we're going to do free child care here at River Glen uh, for you. And, and if, you, if you missed that, that, I said that right, free child care. It's taken care of. And so you guys can sign up on our app or on our website and sign up for the date night and just let us know how many kids are coming and you can drop your kids off and you can go out on a date from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. that night and it's just going to be a great time. Now, if you really want to, we actually designed something specifically for your date and it's called, it's kind of like a date uh, challenge, a date dare kind of thing. And what you can do is you can go out to the resource center just outside these doors before you leave and pick up an envelope that says the RG date night on it. And in there is a uh, kind of a series of different questions and exercises and it gets you talking about things that maybe you don't normally talk about on your regular dates. And it's going to be really cool, really challenging. So sign your kids up for the ch free child care. Pick up a date night experience before you leave as well. And take advantage because, again, it's a free date night. It's, it's pretty legit. So uh, date night, June 24th. Uh, make sure you sign up for that. So, okay, in this series so far... We've been talking about a couple of different things. In week one, Memorial Day weekend, Mark White from the Ridge was here. And he talked about how when there is fault with our relationships, that we need to realize and we need to focus on fixing our faults first. So it always starts with us when we have some sort of fault in the relationship. So that was week one. Week two was Ben, our lead pastor. And Ben shared about how we should seek to serve and not seek to be served within our relationships. And that was just a great reminder that we're called to serve in our relationships. And then last week, John Howard, one of our pastors, uh, talked about conflict in our relationships and how we should seek peace with everyone. And if we're in the midst of conflict, we should be the one that goes to them to seek peace, that we should repent and turn from our struggles and our wrongdoings in that relationship, and we should go and work it out with them. And that was just a great truth that he taught uh, last week. And so this week, uh, what we're going to dig into is we're going to keep talking about conflict in our relationships, but specifically we're going to look at the other side of it. Instead of us seeking peace out, what, we're going to look at what we have to do when someone that we're in a relationship with has actually caused hurt in our lives. And we're going to deal with today what we do with that hurt uh, when, when it comes into our lives. How do we react when someone hurts us? Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, I had the privilege of going on a vacation with my family to Tennessee. And uh, all of my brothers were actually able to get together. And that's my brothers, uh, me in the middle, obviously. And then, t you know, Austin holding my son Noah and my brother Chad holding his son Winston. And uh, it was just a great time. We had a wonderful time having fun, playing games, picking on my mom, just things that we should do as brothers and sons uh, together. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful experience. But we kind of laughed at one moment. I was laughing at one moment because as much as we were having a good time on vacation together, our vacations together weren't always that way. 
uh, especially with three brothers growing up. In fact, we never got along, especially on vacation, because you put us in like one house, you know, that close for a week together, and we can't escape each other. It turns ugly. And Chad, uh, over here, way on the far side of the picture, Chad, he and I just always had tension growing up. He's about three years younger than me, so he's right in that range where he just knows how to drive me nuts, and I know how to drive him nuts. And so we, we were growing up, and we would always agitate each other and get on each other's nerves, uh, and we always had this issue. When one would irritate the other, we couldn't just like really let it go. We always had to get a word back or get the last punch in or whatever it may be. We couldn't release the hurt or the annoyance that the other one was causing in our lives. And so it just would cause all these issues in our relationship uh, growing up. Well, there was one year uh, we were on vacation together uh, down at the beach somewhere, I think South Carolina, and Chad was just in full force this week. He was, you know, just annoying me, wouldn't leave me alone, and I did everything I could to stay away from him, I, you know, you know, just get him away from me because I, I was just going to get pent up with all this frustration that something bad was going to happen. And the problem was my mom created this rule that because I was the older brother and the more responsible one, that I could never hit Chad first, okay? Stupid rule, okay? Just a horrible, horrible rule. But I was also the smarter brother, and I figured out a perfect solution because he just wouldn't leave me alone that week. I realized I could not hit Chad first, but if Chad hit me first, that's all I needed as just free reign to do whatever I wanted to my little brother. And so Chad was just, you know, in this mode, and I couldn't let it go. And finally I figured out, here's what I'll do. I'll, I'll knock his hat off his head. You know, that's not really hitting him. And then when he goes to do the same thing to me, I'll just step forward a little bit and have him hit me in the face as he's trying to knock my hat off my head. And, uh, and so I, that's what I did. And so I knock his hat off his head. He comes to knock my hat off. I step forward. He hits me in the face. And the best part was I was just recovering from a broken nose, and so he, like, realized that I could get him in trouble for hitting me in the face. And his reaction when he hit my face was the fear of God was put in him. And I did what every responsible older brother would do in that situation. I punched him in the face. And we just had a wonderful time fighting and fist fighting on the kitchen floor. I mean, we were just enjoying ourselves, loving vacation, punching, kicking, whatever we had to do. And my mom was angry. And it just, it, it just was one of our greatest memories that week on vacation. But there was a reason that happened. It's because we couldn't do one thing. As the great theologian Elsa would say, let it go couldn't do it. We kept holding on to these frustrations with each other, and so we fought, and that was just our lives growing up, and that's what we tend to do. When someone wrongs us, when someone annoys us, when someone hurts us, we have this tendency to hold on to the hurt that they bring in our lives. We hold on to the offense that they did, whether it's something small or something big, whether it was some misunderstanding or something they did on purpose. Whatever it is, most of us have dealt or are dealing with some sort of pain that someone has caused us in our lives. A relationship ends. Something was said. A coworker stabs you in the back. A parent left. A spouse cheated. Our lives are littered and scarred with the hurts that other people have caused us. And because of that, we hold on to those hurts. And the question is, what do we do with it? How do we handle it? Because so often what we do is we tend to just hold on to them, and that affects the way we live. So I want to do something today together in this talk, okay? I want everyone to kind of hold your hands out like this, okay? Everyone, there you go. Hold your hands out. I want you to make a fist with both hands, okay? Make a fist. Even squeeze a little bit to where, you know, it's kind of uncomfortable. You feel the nails digging into your, into your palms. Make that fist, okay? Now I want you, during the, during the entirety of my talk, 
to hold this fist, hold these fists like this, okay? So it's going to take some commitment because I still have about an hour to talk today, okay? I'm just kidding. <laughs> We're not going to go that long. I'm just kidding. I want you to hold these fists, okay? And it's going to take some commitment. We got to go, and it's, and, you know, it's going to be weird, and I'll do it with you, okay? So I'm going to teach with fists like this. So it's going to look really weird, but just deal with me. And if you see me open my fist, just yell at me, okay? So let's practice. Yell. There you go. Like someone was went, ah, that's a good one. I like that. Just yell at me like that. I'm going to hold the fist with it because this is going to represent how we hold on to the hurts in our lives and how we try to live uh, within that because so often we just hold on to it and it prevents us from living the life that God wants us to live. When we hold on to these hurts, we're going to see that we really are holding on to something we shouldn't hold on to anymore. And so last week, John looked at uh, Paul's letter in, the Roman, in Romans and how it relates to being in conflict with each other. Specifically, he talked about this verse, and this is where it's going to get really interesting for me. You guys can just sit, sit there. I'm going to figure out how to move my paper over. So there we go. <laughs> uh, here's what he says, Romans 12, 18. It says, uh, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. A follower of Jesus should do whatever they can to live at peace with other people. We should be the ones reaching out for reconciliation. We should take steps to make that peace. We should be the ones working to end conflict in our, in our lives through love. But we can't do that when we're holding on to the hurts that other people have caused in our lives. See, a closed fist doesn't lend us to helping other people. A closed fist doesn't lend us to helping somebody up. It's actually more prone to punching somebody in the face. And so we hold on to these hurts, and that's what we're more prone to do, hold on to these hurts, which doesn't lead us to making peace with other people. Paul continues in the next verse, on 19, he says, Do not take revenge, my dear friends. We hold on to these hurts, and it causes us to want hurt for the other person. We want revenge. Now, I don't think that means that we're like sitting like some mad scientist, diabolically planning the demise of our enemies in our basements. I don't think we're doing that. If you're doing that, you should stop doing that. That's not a good thing to do. I don't think that's us. But what I think we do when it comes to us seeking revenge is we get kind of excited when our enemies, the one who caused hurt in our lives, when they go through difficult moments. We get kind of that ha-ha moment when they go through hurts themselves. When they lose a job or they go through financial struggle or they're having marital problems or their kids are rebelling, things happen to them and we're like, oh, that's just too bad. They had it coming. What goes around comes around. You see, we start rejoicing in their struggles. This is our revenge because we believe that things are evening out finally. The hurt that they caused us, that hurt that we're holding on to, it's starting to kind of make uh, you know, matters even now because they're hurting as well. But this doesn't make anything better because what that leaves us with, and now it leaves us holding on to their hurts, and now they're going to be holding on to their hurts as well. And all that leaves is more people hurt and holding on to that hurt. So Paul says don't take revenge, but then he says this, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. And now you're some of you are like, all right, now that we're talking, let's all do a fist clap. God's going to get revenge, okay? Fist clap, fist pump, because that's kind of weird. Don't do that. It's kind of weird. I don't know what that means. But it, it's just weird. Uh, it, it's awesome now that we're thinking God's going to seek revenge. God's going to pay them back. God's going to take care of this for me. That's the God I like to know and love and serve. God's going to make it even for me. See, kind of weird. But this is where we have to really wrestle with this. Yeah, revenge is God's. Okay, that's what Paul writes. Things are going to start evening out. But here's the question. Slow down for a second. 
do we know what God's wrath really is? Do we understand it? Because a lot of times we think that God is just this angry old curmudgeon sitting up in heaven looking to smite all the people who disobey him. And sometimes that's the relationship that we project on ourselves with our own relationship with him. We, we do something wrong or we sin or we struggle with something and we think God's just up there angry at us. And so we do things to make God happy. We go to church and we try to be a good person. We do whatever we can to alleviate the anger that God has for us in our lives. We do whatever we can to make God happy because we think he's up there with these closed fists holding onto this hurt and trying to get revenge on us. And so that's how we think he is in our relationship with him. And if we think he's that way with us, then we're going to think the same thing for our enemies, the one who have caused hurt in our own lives. We want, God, we want them punished, and we want God to make it even for us. We want revenge. But I don't think that's who God is. God's wrath isn't that. God's wrath is simply the consequence of sin. And God has wired life, wired our world to work in a way that when we sin, there's consequence in that. No one gets away with it. There's a penalty to it. But it's not our job to enact that penalty. We need to stay out of it and let the way God designed our lives to work happen. Give God space to work. It's God's job to work. It's our, our job to trust in how he's running this world and running our lives. But we have these closed fists and we're holding on to these hurts. And we start wondering in our lives, I don't see them suffering consequences. I don't see things being even. I don't see God bringing revenge. Why is the world not working the way I need it to work right now? Well, you have no idea what's happening in their lives. So who are we to say whether they're hurting or not? Who are we to say if they're suffering consequences from their struggles or not? That's not our job to worry about. But what happens when we hold on to those hurts, we start wondering what's happening to them who've caused the hurt. We start wondering why isn't bad things happen to them? Why isn't it being even? Our job isn't to worry. Then Paul says something crazy in the next verse. He says this in verse 20. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals onto his head. Paul says instead of seeking revenge, instead of looking for things to get even, we should actually serve our enemies. This doesn't get you all pumped up now, does it? He says if your enemy's hungry, give him some food. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. If they need help, help them. And in doing so, you'll heap burning coals under their head. And that's like, yeah, burn them. That's what I thought when I was a kid when I'd read that verse. It's like, yeah, if I'm nice to my enemies, it's going to be like I'm putting fire on their forehead. That's so much fun. But that's not what Paul's talking about here. Because in this culture, see, my fists don't work. In this culture, what would happen is when somebody had burning coals on their forehead, what they, put, what they, did, they would do that on purpose to show that they were remorseful about something. They realized they did something wrong. And they were publicly displaying that they were sorry, they were repenting from whatever they did. And so if someone would see like, like burning coals, burning ash on their, someone's forehead, they would know that guy's remorseful about something. So what Paul's saying here is when we serve them, when we love them, when we meet our enemy's need, our love for them actually may lead them to repent and be remorseful for what they did. It will be like putting burning coals on their forehead. So Paul's saying instead of seeking revenge, instead of holding on to the hurt, we're supposed to love them instead. We're supposed to forgive them instead. 
when you serve them, you may actually lead that person to change their life. Heaping burning coals in their head is actually a blessing to them. And so Paul is saying love goes further than anger. Grace is better than revenge. Because in verse 21 he says this, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Paul says the way we respond to evil, the way we respond to the hurts that's in us that someone else has caused, is not by letting that hurt win, by wanting revenge, but it's to respond by doing good. It's to respond by love. That's what Paul says. This is what a Christ follower is supposed to do. This is the picture that Paul paints. Because as we're holding on to the hurts, we want revenge. We want something to be evil. What Paul's saying is, no, 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 no. That's the wrong way to look at it. We need to respond with love. The problem is, though, for most of us, we don't want to do that. I don't want to love my enemy who caused all this pain that I'm holding on to. I don't want to forgive them. I don't want to serve them. I want things to be even. I want them to be hurting. We want punishment. We want them to hurt because of the hurt they brought to our lives. We don't want to let this thing go. That's why we hold life like this, these fists holding on to those hurts. Whether it was a divorce or some sort of abuse or betrayal of a friend, whatever the hurt that we hold on to, it's with clenched fists, we don't want to let that hurt go. We don't want to forgive and we don't want to love. But here's the problem with us holding on to these hurts. It leaves us hurting still. And hurt people live hurt lives. And this is how we start living our life. When we're hurting and we carry around these hurts in our lives, we, we don't function the way God wants us to then. We start living in a way that's not what God wants us to do. We end up hurting others because of the pain that we carry. We end up keeping others at a distance because we don't want to trust them because of the hurt that we've dealt with in our lives. So we hold on to that hurt. We hold on to that pain. We hold on to whatever that offense is. And because of that, we keep people further away from us because we remember that hurt. We remember that pain. And we don't want to go through it again. And so we use that as an excuse to hold on to that hurt to keep people away. But so often, though, we don't see that. We don't actually see that the hurt that we're holding on to is actually affecting our lives in negative ways. We think it's fine. We think it's no big deal. Yeah, we're holding on to our hurts and we want revenge, but we think it's not affecting anybody else. But that's not true. We think it has no effect on our jobs or our marriages or our relationship with our kids. But when we hold on to these hurts, we're fooling ourselves. And we think when we live life like this, it doesn't affect every aspect of our lives. We're fooling ourselves because sometimes we are blind to the brokenness that we keep holding on to because of the hurt that someone brings into us. It's kind of like this. We've been holding, you guys at your fist still? Hold them up pr loud and proud. You got them. Nice work, nice work. All right, we've been doing this for like 15 minutes now, somewhere around there, okay? You've seen me up here kind of looking ridiculous. I can't really move my papers over more. And I just realized if someone's sort of watching this message online without seeing that I'm while we're doing this, they're going to think, why is that guy pointing to the you know, screen with closed fists? He looks kind of weird. Um, it looks weird. I have this bottle of water down here that I even haven't attempted to drink from, even though my mouth is dry, uh, because it's going to look ridiculous and I'll just spill water everywhere. Okay? I, I, I can't live life right right now. Imagine if you lived every single day of your life like this. Imagine how many things it would impact of you trying to do different things. It would impact you, uh, you know, trying to drive or cook. Or someone comes to introduce themselves to you. They're like, hey, can you have like a handshake? Yeah, nope, sorry, man, fist bumps only. This, this hand doesn't open. It's closed. 
Imagine trying to play catch with your kid, trying to braid your daughter's hair, trying to change your clothes. It affects everything we would do if we lived life like this, right? And someone would look at you and go, dude, just open your hands up. Just, just, just open, let it go. And so here's the point. Just like our physical lives will be affected in so many ways if we live life like this. Our lives are affected when we hold on to the emotional hurt, the spiritual hurt, the, just the, the pain that we hold on to emotionally in our lives as well. When someone hurts us and we hang on to it, it's kind of like we're living life with closed fists. It affects every area of our lives. You see, when we're holding on to those hurts, it affects our spouse. Because we we're hurt and we don't want to build intimacy with them because we're afraid of getting hurt again. And so we start building up these walls around our lives and our spouse can't get in. And we don't build the intimacy that God created us to do when it comes to our, 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 our relationship with our spouse. We hold on to those hurts, and that hurt causes us to lash out in anger with our kids when they had nothing to do with it, but we're angry about something, and we're holding on to that hurt, living life with a clenched fist. It affects our jobs as we work with other people because some other coworker stabbed us in the back, so there's no way we're going to trust this coworker because all the coworkers are wrong, and they're evil, and they're, and they're stupid, and so we're going to hold on to these clenched fists. And it affects our jobs. It affects our relationship with God. We think God is not there for us. He doesn't care because we were wanting and expecting him to act a certain way, to act with revenge, to make things even. And so, God, we have these closed fists. Why aren't you making things right? It affects the way we trust him. It affects the way we love him. It affects the way we follow him. You see, holding on to these hurts is no different than living life with a clenched fist. It affects everything we do. And it keeps us from being the person God wants us to be. So what do we have to do? We've got to let go of the hurt that we're holding on to. When it comes to dealing with the hurt that people cause in our lives, we can choose to either hold on to it and deal with those consequences, or we can choose to do good like Paul challenges us to in Romans. We can choose to forgive, and forgiveness begins when the demand for revenge or repayment ends. And we start forgiving because this is God's way of life. He forgives, so we start forgiving. Paul teaches us to make room for God to bring revenge. Okay, that's in there. It's in Romans, and we see that. We expect God to make it right. Well, here's the truth. God did make it right, and he did it through Jesus. Our sin, our rebellion, our pain that we cause God, the pain that we cause others, the hate, the racism, the lies, the cheating, all the things that cause hurt in this world, there is a consequence to pay for it. There's a consequence for sin, and that consequence is death. That's the payment for the, for the wrongdoings that we do. And God decided, though, instead of holding on to that hurt, instead of being that God up there as the angry old curmudgeon, holding with clenched fists with those hurts that we've caused, he decided to let it go. He decided to forgive, and he did that by sending his son, Jesus. Instead of the paying for the death that we deserve, he chose to forgive us by sending his son Jesus to die in our place. And so God has enacted revenge on your enemies. Don't miss this. The revenge that you want, God's already taken care of it. The payment is paid, but that payment wasn't paid by your enemies. It was paid by Jesus. Everything they've done to you, all the hurt that they've caused you, all the pain, all the sadness, all the fear, everything you've dealt with, 
God has paid them back by Jesus dying on the cross. And he offers forgiveness to them free of charge. And maybe you're thinking, that's not fair. Because you don't know what the hurt they've caused me. That's not fair that God died for them so they can be forgiven. You're right. It's not fair. But thankfully, we don't serve a fair God. We serve a grace God. We serve a God that even though we deserve payment of death, he paid that payment through his son, Jesus. Because the same God that died for your enemies... He died for you too. He died for all the hurt that you've brought into this world yourself. He died for all the sin that you've committed yourself. He died for all the sin you will commit in your life. So I say thank God we don't serve a fair one. Because if we're honest with ourselves, we deserve the consequence. But thankfully we have that unfair God that changed it by sending Jesus. You see, the reason we forgive is because we've been forgiven. And so that's the call that we're supposed to have today. We forgive as we've been forgiven ourselves. And here's what forgiveness is. It's a pardon. It's when a judge looks at someone and says, you are absolutely guilty of what you're accused of, but there's no penalty. It's taken care of. You don't have to pay for it. You're pardoned. You're forgiven. Jesus has taken everything you've done, every sin, every hurt, everything, every failure, and instead of holding on to it, he's decided to let it go and forgive you so that you can be free. And now you need to forgive others. You need to pardon the ones who have hurt you. You need to let it go so you can be free yourself. Sure, they don't deserve it. They didn't earn it. There's no reason to give it to them other than the fact that you've been forgiven yourself. And this is going to allow you to live a life that God wants you to live. Not a life with clenched fists, but a life of forgiveness and love. And just to be clear, when you forgive somebody, when you say they're pardoned for what they've done to you, I'm not saying you have to be best friends with them again. I'm not saying that that's where the restoration happens. What I'm saying, though, is it means you release them of what they owe you and you release the hurt that you're holding on to. This is going to improve your relationship with God and with others. It's going to improve your life. And so here's what I want you to do. Each week in this series, we have some sort of homework that we challenge each other to, to do throughout the week. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to go home this week, maybe today, tonight, whenever. I want you to sit down. And if there's hurt you're holding on to, if there's a real clenched fist living that you're, you're doing in your life, I want you to sit down and I want you to write the name of the person that hurt you. And I want you to write down everything they did to you. Every little detail. And yeah, it may cause you to relive this a little bit. And I want you to write down everything that they owe you because of this. Maybe they owe you, uh, you know, money because it was a business deal gone bad. Or maybe they owe you a better marriage. Maybe they owe you a better childhood. Maybe they owe you your innocence. Whatever it may be, write it down. Then you need to decide to forgive them. I want you to take that paper and do something with it that's going to represent that you have let them go. You've pardoned them of what they owe you. Maybe you need to uh, take big white paint and just paint over it. Or maybe a big marker and write forgiven on the front of it. Or maybe just take a match and a fire and light that bad boy up and so it disappears. Do something that shows that you are releasing the hurt that you're holding onto. 
do something to literally get rid of it because this is what God does. Hebrews 8.12 says, For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. God doesn't remember your sins when he forgives you. He doesn't hold on to them. If we are a follower of Jesus, we can't hold on to our hurts that other people have caused us either. We need to forgive just like we've been forgiven. And so here's the deal. I want you to hold your fists up. Okay? If you right now are holding on to a hurt that someone has caused you, and you are sick of living a clenched fist life that's affecting so many different areas of your life, if you are done living this way and you realize that, yeah, you have hurt other people and you have sinned and you have struggled and God has forgiven you of that. And so because of that, because of you've been forgiven, that you need to forgive yourself. If that's where you're at right now and it's time to forgive the ones who have hurt you, I want you to open your hands. Feel that relief? That pressure that's been there for like 20 minutes now? It's gone. It's gone. It's gone like your sins are gone because Jesus died for you and forgave you. It's gone because you're letting it go and you're not being held captive by other people anymore. But you're living a free life that Jesus came to give you. It's gone. If you, if you want to live a free life, you need to let go of the hurt that other people have brought into your life. Because they need forgiveness just like you do. You see, our world needs more open-handed people. Our world needs more of us who are walking around with open hands instead of clenched fists. Our world needs more peace and reconciliation. Our world needs more forgiveness and love. And as Christ followers, it is our job to bring it to them. Our world needs forgiveness, it needs love, it needs peace. So we need to choose to love our enemies instead of wanting revenge for them. We need to choose to let go of our hurt instead of holding on to it. Because that's what Jesus did for us. In a moment, we're going to remember that forgiveness through communion. It's where we remember that God sent his son to die for us to forgive us, to bring us life. And it's here that we remember that God does not rule with clenched fists, but he loves with open hands. And those open hands gave us his son. But here's the thing with communion. You can't take it with a clenched fist. So as those trays get passed and you're a follower of Jesus and this is something you want to remember what God has done for you, before you take that communion, have a time to pray and reflect and ask God to help you to let go of whatever that hurt is so that you can have a life of freedom that God wants for you. Because that's the life that Jesus gave you through the cross. Let's pray. God, thanks so much for just a beautiful day to hang out and uh, just grill some food and enjoy each other's company. But God, in the real of it, as we're, as, as we're sitting here, pretty much every one of us has hurts that we're holding on to. And God, it's affecting our marriages, it's affecting our relationship with our kids, it's affecting our job, it's affecting everything. It's affecting our relationship with you. 
God, help us to let it go. God, help us to forgive. Help us to love our enemies like you love us. Help us to live a life of open hands instead of clenched fists. In your name we pray. Amen.